Hello and welcome to Build Value by Choice. I'm your host, Nana Bonsu, Infinite Horizons Incorporated, where we help you reposition your business to get the life that you desire. Each week, we bring you a different guest to talk about things that are top of mind for business owners. This week, it will be no different. We have an esteemed CEO joining us today to give his advice on leadership for business owners. So I'm going to be asking him questions related to his experience, his career. He's had a long career and some of the things that he's seen work and some of the things he's seen now work. So on to today's guest. Our guest today is Russell Hawkins. Russ Hawkins is the president and CEO of the leading data technology company called Agilence. He has spent 35 years in the tech industry helping establish organizations and small startups reach their full potential by driving change from the inside. Russ is responsible for developing the overall strategy and leading the growth of software as a service or what is commonly known as SaaS, analytics and a reporting company uh, called Agilence, which helps retailers, grocers and restaurants improve their operational effectiveness and uncover preventable losses using data that's already in their hands. Before he joined Agilence, he transformed two early stage tech companies into successful businesses by leading go-to-market strategies focused on product development, rebrands, and customer profile analysis, resulting in exponential growth and success. In his free time, Russ enjoys golfing, reading, and is interested in the conservation of human resources. He graduated from Boston College in 1980. Welcome to Build Valley by Choice, um, Russ. Well, thank you, Nan. It's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and your listeners. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, what do you like most about what you do, Russ? Uh, I just uh, I just love building things. I, uh, I uh, have uh, developed a passion for business and a, a passion for building organizations. I, I really like... Uh, starting with my first job, which was a, a salesperson's job, I learned learned the ropes of building a business by by building my own sales territory. And from that day, I haven't looked back. I, I just I just love coming into small organizations, uh, helping uh, to formulate or revise a strategy, and then go about building the company block by block, brick by brick. It's uh, it's just incredibly satisfying and and interesting work. Yeah, no doubt. If you were to start all over again, looking back, what would you do differently, given what you now know? I probably would have moved around a little bit more. So, I, you know, I've worked my whole life. And as I mentioned, uh, one of my first jobs was uh, a sales job, which I was completely unprepared for, by the way. Uh, but mm-hmm. what appealed to me about, about that was uh, the opportunity to essentially run my own business. Uh, and uh, I ended up uh, working for a very, very large company. It ended up being, it was one of the largest, uh, was AT&T at the time and eventually became known as Lucent. Uh, and I stayed there for, for the better part of 15 years. And while it was interesting and I had kind of an intrapreneurial opportunity there, I probably stayed too long. And I would, if I had to do it over again, I, I would still do that, but I would, I would leave a little earlier. Gotcha. That's true. What ex, you know, given all this experience that you had, what, what, how has that shaped the advice that you give on leadership and technology for business owners? What is the, what is the advice that I would give them? Yeah, given your experience, what, what, how has that shaped the advice that you would give on leadership and technology for uh, business owners? Well, I've ha- I've got a I've been to the school of hard knocks uh, for sure in terms right. of in terms of both people development and in terms of in terms of sales. Um, I think one of the most important things people have to have, uh, and, and this can come in many ways, is, is a goal or a series of goals, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of having uh, goals in every aspect of my life, short-term, long-term. 
And and so my feeling is is that you you know you can't go where you want to go if you don't know where that is. And so I think it's extremely important to set goals, and um, and that includes uh, how you would leverage and use technology to get where 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 you want to go. And so I think that's probably the most important thing. And how do you balance you um, you know short term needs with long term goals? Well, they serve different purposes, right? Uh, the the short term need is to put food on the table and to keep the lights on and to and to keep uh, uh, to keep uh, the business uh, operating. So without without a short term without meeting your short term goals, it's impossible, I think, to achieve your your longer longer term goal. But it is very important, I think, to have a vision of where you want to be, uh, and because and that and that can inspire every aspect of of your business life. It can it can inspire your relationships with uh, the team that you're relying on to achieve those goals. It, it can in, inspire other people to, to uh, you know, adapt, to, uh, to adopt your goal and to, to help you achieve it. And so uh, I think that, that uh, that's one of the ways. What strategies can business owners use to, you know, prevent them from getting caught in the day-to-day operation? I understand there's, you know, there's business needs you need to keep, you know, quote, unquote, food, business food on the table, but, we still also don't want business owners or, or the leaders themselves to get too caught up in the day-to-day operations. What are some of the things that um, business owners and, and CEOs can apply to to prevent them from just getting so caught up? But somebody's also got to be looking at the vision and the long-term out. So, so um, what are some of the things that you recommend? Well, I think first of all, I think that uh, it's important for people to uh, first of all, you have to understand the the day to day operation. So, most business people that I know have uh, well, certainly if they're running their own businesses, they've done every job in the business, and they've they've uh, they've eventually uh, hired people to do uh, different parts of it, and that clearly is a strategy: hire hire the best people that you can get, and stay out of their way. So that's that's one strategy that I think is important. Um, as I already mentioned, I think having goals is an extremely important aspect of it, um, and because that's the only way that you can convey to other people who you're relying on to achieve the goals, the only way that you can get them clear on, on what, it is, what they, they need to do. But I also believe that there's a, there's a especially in businesses, uh, it's important to have processes and procedures. So it, it's important for people to understand how the business works and how the various processes uh, and to have processes and to understand how those processes interact with each other to to uh, to achieve the goal. So if you've got very clear processes, you've got a clear goal and you hire the right people, um, then all you need to do is keep track of what's going on. You just need to keep track of the metrics around it. And you, that way you can stay out of people's way, let them do the job and get the kind of exponential power of multiple people working toward a common goal. Okay. When you're looking six to seven years out, what are some of the major considerations that you uh, you take? Uh, well, I think, uh, first of all, you gotta, you have to uh, make sure that you're on sound financial footing. And, and you know, certainly... My companies, generally speaking, have been startups. So this is my third company now, um, and you know, a startup by definition generally is losing money. Not maybe not by definition. There are some exceptions. Uh, so you've got to make sure you've got a financial underpinning that uh, that supports uh, what you're trying to achieve. Uh, I think having uh, understanding what that future state is is going to be six and seven years from now, what what is your vision for what that future state is is extremely important. 
Uh, and then at that point, you've got to make sure you've got the right team in place. And, and if it's six or seven years, you got to think about secession. you got to think about how the business can operate without you. And so that, I think, is a discipline that, that forces you to hire the best people and to make sure that they understand the, the business and, the, and they have uh, the ability to keep it operating w- when you're not around. And, and, you know, if you can do that then the, and you have a clear vision of what you want to do, then six or seven years will go very quickly and, uh, and you'll achieve your goals. Okay. Now, you mentioned things about uh, something about the uh, making sure you're in a sound uh, financial footing. Yeah. Uh, what guideline, what is percentage or, you know, percentage of revenue, whatever it is, what guideline would you provide in terms of uh, how much, uh, you know, money should be uh, allocated toward technology initiatives? Well, on an ongoing basis, I think uh, if, if you're already an up and running company and, and uh, you're trying to plan for, you know, technology expenditures, the, the first thing you have to do is keep the lights on. I mean, literally keep the lights on. So you've got you've got to yeah. you've got to be able to fund the technology that's needed to keep your business operating in a SaaS software world. That means you've got to be able to um, have a data center, either a, a, an owned data center or a virtual data center. You've got to be able to pay the licensing fees. You've got to typically, at least pre-pandemic, most companies thought they had to have an office. Uh, that's changing dramatically now. You don't you don't need to have that. But, uh, you know, you, you've got to uh, make sure you keep the lights on, number one. All right. So once you've got that taken care of and the business is operating, then I think it's a it's very much, a, you know, dollar utility question is, am I going to get a return out of this technology investment or if, if I am I going to avoid a problem uh, by by making this technology investment? And, and I think it's a case by case assessment of what the return is or what the the risk aversion is. And and that I think you can make pretty good decisions uh, uh, based on that. Great. Um- you had mentioned the third thing that you had mentioned, because you mentioned finance, vision, and teams. That's the three main pillars looking six to seven years out. Yeah. What advice would you give to business owners who can, you know, for some reason, one reason or the other, can delegate certain aspects of, say, technology <laughs> management? Yeah, well, I think I think uh, lack of dele- ability to delegate is a problem. If it's an innate problem in you, then I, I'm, I'm afraid you're going to have a, a challenge uh, o- over your business life because you're not able to, to get leverage. I mean, if you're only relying on yourself to do things, then you have a team of one. And if you can, if you can uh, develop a team, uh, give them clear objectives and, and, uh, and provide the infrastructure, then I think you're going to have not a team of two or three or four, but they're going to feed on each other and it's going to be an, a, an exponential benefit. Yeah. One of the things you had mentioned was a succession plan um, long-term. Yeah. Uh, what is the most important factor in, in successfully transition from one leadership team to the next? So in, if I were leave, if I were moving from one to, to another, is that what you mm-hmm. say? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, first of all, one of the things, secession, uh, you know, my view is every manager needs to have a plan for if, uh, I like to say, if they win the lottery, you know, if they win the lottery, how is the business going to continue? How is how is their job uh, going to continue to be to be done. So I think I think having uh, a secession plan is a- a- absolutely critical. Uh, aside from that, though, I think uh, you've always got to be thinking about the team and the makeup of the team, especially a- as you as you're growing. If you're if you're a growth company, if you're a software SaaS company like I have, I've been involved in. Uh, you know, most of the three companies that I've run have started with you know around ten people. 
uh, and have grown into the hundreds in, in two cases. This, this current company is uh, almost 100 pe people. Uh, and, uh, and that doesn't happen by accident. Uh, the, the, those things have to be thought out carefully. Uh, and a lot of time and energy has to go in into to selecting the right person. Because at the end of the day, the only way you're successful is if you have the right team. My, my personal view is that uh, you know, people are the ones that make happy customers. Happy people make happy customers. And happy customers make happy shareholders. And so, um, and, and it's not just, you know, pandering. I'm not talking about pandering when I'm saying happy. People want rewarding work. They want interesting things to do. They want to be valued. They want to be part of the team. And, and so if you pay attention to those things, good things will happen. What advice would you give to um, CEOs who are looking to manage multiple stakeholders? Well, I think it's kind of encapsulated by what what I what I just mentioned a minute ago. In that, you know, they're all interconnected. The, the stakeholders in a business are all interconnected, and there's three there's three primary groups, right? There's the the shareholders. These are the people that own the company and that uh, have a, a desire, first of all, to protect their capital, and secondly, to to get a return on the capital. You've got customers, and the, and those customers want to get value out of the product or service that you're delivering to them. And the, the only way that that can happen is by focusing and, and uh, uh, developing uh, a, a good team, a team that, that can get the jobs done. So there's three different stakeholders, three different major stakeholder groups in any business, and they're all interrelated. A happy, productive uh, employee or associate or team member is going to make a happy and thankful and uh uh, rewarding relationship with customers. And if you have a rewarding relationship with customers, they become your best advocates and you get more customers and that makes shareholders happy. And when shareholders are happy, they reward the, the people. So it's kind of a closed loop and it all works together. Uh, and you need to think about all three, but most importantly about the people. Okay. So I'm going to pick that one of the things, you know, the third um, um, group you mentioned was employees. What is the key factor in bringing a team together in an organization? Well, I think it can be very hard and it's a very complex question, a very complex uh, thing to, to achieve. Uh, I think people, generally speaking, you know, everybody works because they need to make money and they need to be able to pay for the rent and the heat, the lights and their kids' education and, and those kinds of things. So we're, we're all we're all the same for the most part in terms of our, our motivation uh, when we when we go to work. Uh, but what as a leader and as a manager of business, though, I want to make sure that we're all going in the same direction. And the first thing is to understand what is that direction? Where are we heading? So I think and, and I take great pains. Uh, every new employee in the company I sit down with. Uh, today, it's mostly on Zoom, but uh, and I go through what we're trying to achieve as a business, what what our objective is, what our contribution to the world is and to society and how that translates into short term goals for the for the business, because I want them to understand that we're engaged in something bigger than us, bigger than you, bigger than than me. Uh, and that the only way to uh, achieve that is to make sure that people understand what it is and then providing them with the environment and the tools that allows them to, to go down that pathway. I believe in employee development, but I, but I believe that the responsibility for 
identifying what needs to be done from a personal development standpoint and and heavy participation is in the is in the hands of the of the team member that they have to be responsible for their own future they have to be responsible for aligning their personal goals with the company's goals and if that can happen and they're in an environment where they're tr- trusted and supported then i think uh, they can achieve great results and that and that is all the all the leader needs to do it's not easy it sounds easier than it right. is right yeah no it's it's, it's it's uh to get to that point is actually a lot of work um time and effort and obviously you know especially if, if you know if you have to communicate with every new employee um, but it, de- it takes that kind of dedication and effort if that's a focus then i guess you make the time for it um absolutely and a lot of people don't make the time i think i think there are a lot of circumstances certainly in my career um people haven't always made the time for it and i think it's a, a little bit of a function of the size of the business it's easier to do with a smaller company harder right. to do with a bigger company right right yeah um so, like, what, what, one of the things, because I, I kind of want to, I'm, I'm still kind of going through the three different groups that you mentioned. So, we just talked about employees. So, I want to mention about, I want to get to like shareholders. Yeah. How do you manage this, the tension that can sometimes happen? Let's just say, you know, shareholders are more interested in like, let's just say dividends or, or, you know, some kind of quarterly, um, you know, quarterly kind of earnings, you know, report or whatnot. Whereas maybe you, the CEO, may have something like launcher. For instance, Jeff Bezos, um, you know, he for you know he forgot forwent uh, you know you know he had to forego the short term kind of you know profits and, and things like that for the longer term vision that he had. Now it took a lot of whatnot to get you know through to, to that, right? Because you have to, like you say, you have to have the finances to be able to you know kind of get through the, the ten year period of time. Sure. How how is the CEO who may be like a visionary? Because there's a there's the visionary and almost like a dreamy kind of thing. And then there's the reality of, okay, you know, we don't, we need to need these kind of numbers. How do you manage that tension? How would you um, encourage or advise uh, CEOs who may be in that a similar kind of boat? Well, so there's a lot in there. Uh, I think, uh, you know, one of the important factors is what kind of business are you in? Are you a public company? You know, because I think the requirements on a public company are very, very different than uh, in a private, in a, in a private enterprise. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, um, let's take a private enterprise for instance. Yeah. Private enterprise. So, you know, there's an old saying that, uh, um, you know, people problems start with employee number two is what, what I've heard, uh, quite, quite often. Right. And some of that also applies to, uh, investors. So, um, you know, I've raised money from both, uh, venture capital and private equity companies, uh, and uh, I've had good success and I've had some mistakes there as well. You want to make sure that the investors are aligned with your vision and they understand what the pathway to profitability is. Most small companies lose money, uh, at least venture back companies, you know, by definition, are trying to build a market for a product that didn't exist be- before you. So there's a there's an assumption with uh, venture capital that uh, that you're not going to make money, and that you're going to be driven by milestones in the business. So you know if it's a very very early venture capital stage, it, it would be uh, an idea that's getting funded, and uh, there might be a uh, a milestone of having you know a, a shippable product if it's a if it's a hardware product or a, a deployable software solution. SaaS software solution. And and so each one of those, and the next one might be reaching a certain amount of sales. And so 
oftentimes in the venture world, these uh, these milestones are what are the kind of funding metrics. You reach a certain milestone and you go out and raise additional money based on on that on that uh, progress. So. Um, what's critical about that is as you do additional rounds in, in the venture capital world is making sure the investors are aligned. So I've had situations where the investors have been totally aligned and speak with one voice. And I've had situations where they're not totally aligned and speak with one voice. That is, they have different objectives from each other. If you have multiple investors and potentially have different objectives than you. And so, first of all, the best way of avoiding that is the not the best way of dealing with that is not to, not to have it in the first place. To, to try to make sure that you're very selective about uh, who you bring on as an investor. Now, that's not always possible, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, you got to get the company funded one way or another. So, um, when when uh, you know when you uh, are just trying to chase the money then sometimes you can make bad decisions and uh, they, you, you don't know they're bad until later. And, that, and that's happened to me. I mean, I, I had a, uh, a board uh, that was made up of five investors, uh, all venture capital, all having come in at different times, different milestones. So they all had different requirements. They had different hold periods. They had different uh, expectations of return. Uh, and what it ended up being was a headache for me. Uh, so uh, the way I had to deal with it was by spending, uh, investing a lot more of my personal time in uh, seeking and achieving some level of alignment across these multiple people. That can be debilitating. It can take an awful lot of energy. I think uh, it, in my uh, earlier days uh, with with uh, this company, I had that situation and uh, I would spend 25%, maybe 33% of my time uh, just managing the board, having individual conversations, set, uh, teeing up issues in a way that uh, that they understood it, going in advance to, to familiarize them with what my plans were. Very, very, very time consuming and not always successful. So uh, that's what happens there. Now, if you have if you have an aligned board, then it's much, much easier. You can take that 25 or 33% of your time and you can invest it back in the business, back in developing the people in the business, and you're going to have a much better result. And so, uh, you know, I think it's uh, it's uh, very, very different for a, pri- a public company, but in a private company, it's very important to have a board that is clear on what the, what the vision and objectives are, clear on when they will get a return. And, uh, and, and they're aligned with what the strategy is uh, from, from the CEO. And if that can happen naturally, that's great. But if you have to work it, then it can be very time consuming. It can still be done, but it takes right. a lot of time and effort on the, on the CEO's part. Okay, that's, that's, that's great. Thanks, thanks for um, you know, that you know, detailed um, uh, info with, that, with uh, examples and your personal examples. Uh, now the third group, the customers. You yeah. have mentioned about keeping them satisfied so they become advocates to help you grow. How do you go about keeping them satisfied? What's your customer satisfaction kind of approach or strategy advice for, for other business owners and CEOs? Well, I think it's absolutely critical. I mean, I, the, the, best, the, 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 the best result there, in my view, is to have uh, a reference list that isn't the list that it's call any one of my customers and, and, and they'll tell you. And that's, that's what we do here at Agilent is we, we, we don't have a reference list. We give our entire customer list and, and, and let, them, let them call it. Now, we, we actually don't even use the word customer for the most part. We think of our customers as really part of a community. And we spend a lot of time and energy 
trying to develop that community feeling and that community spirit. So we, we, we use some techniques, um, like for example, we have a virtual water cooler uh, and it's a multi-company water cooler. So, uh, you know, if you're a shoe retailer, let's say, uh, hey, you might want to compare notes with another shoe retailer. And so we've created this place on, uh, on, in, the, in the cloud on our website where people can come together and ask questions. And, uh, and we, we constantly try to reinforce uh, this idea of community uh, among our, our team members. We, we do a lot of webinars. And in, and in our webinars, generally speaking, it's not a, co- a company talking head uh, doing the explaining. Usually what we do is we get multiple customers to come together, usually in some kind of a panel arrangement, and have them uh, answer questions for, for everyone. And so uh, we constantly, constantly uh, try to, inf- uh, to uh, you know, have this uh, attractive community that people want to participate in. And as a result of that, they build better and stronger relationships. It helps them. It helps us and it ultimately helps the shareholders. So it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. Community is better than, you know, uh, uh, company client, the, the, the company client relationship as a description doesn't really work for me. I like the idea. We're all together in this. We're all here to help each other. And uh, and uh, we set up ways to make that happen. Yeah. So you put the relationship front and center. Put the relationship front and center. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the keys for business owners, um, you know, especially if, if they don't feel like they're tech savvy or they may be intimidated by complicated technology? What, what would you say would be the key for uh, these you know, top leaders to, you know, to understand complicated technologies uh, so they can make informed decisions? Well, first of all, I don't think you have to be an expert in every technology. You, you, you do need to have uh, an understanding, of, a, a basic understanding of how uh, technology works and how it can help you. And you need to be able to have, uh, you know, an informed process when you're acquiring technology. So if you're, you know, if you're buying a software package or you're uh, using some kind of a, you know, a SaaS tool, you have to have a pretty clear understanding of how it, excuse me, of what it does and what its value is, but you don't necessarily need to know it at the code level. Um, uh, when you do need to know it uh, at the code level, then you need expertise. If you don't have it yourself, and I don't, by the way, uh, then you need to make sure that you've got expertise on your on your team uh, to to help you make make those decisions. But I don't think you need to know everything either. I mean, I, I generally feel that if you if you understand seventy to eighty percent of a, a situation you probably have enough information to make a decision. So you don't want to let the perfect be the enemy of the good. You don't have to be knowledgeable about everything and and just be self-aware. You know, know what you know and know what you don't know. And if you don't know it, get somebody to help you. And, and today in this world, you know, we've got lots of resources for that with the internet and, uh, and expert uh, uh, knowledge re- really available at our fingertips. That wasn't the case, uh, you know, back in the last century for sure. Right. And uh, you know, just to the final thing, what, what, or maybe you know, last but one question: What are some of the biggest mistakes that you know owners and CEOs make when it comes to leadership and technology? Well, I think uh, on the technology side, um, a lot of people will uh, buy technology without understanding how it's used, and they'll be too quick. Uh, they, they they won't be quick enough to get rid of it if it's not for producing what 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 it needs to do. So I, I think. Uh, I, I constantly uh, around here go through 
um, a reevaluation of all of the technology that we're using. And I ask the questions uh, on my tech team. And um, a lot of times I can't necessarily know whether what they're telling me is technically correct or technically incorrect. But I can tell by the confidence in, in which the, with which they speak. I can tell by the their manner of talking, and you know, and most of these people I have relationships with, and so you know, I know when somebody's you know bullying me, and and when somebody isn't. And so yeah, I think you have to have a fairly fairly highly tuned uh, uh, bull detector, I guess is what I would call it, uh, in, in terms of the technology. And you've got to be willing to kind of experiment, make some mistakes. Uh, but move quickly. So I think on the technology side, those are the things that I would say. On the leadership side, I, I think I think an awful lot of people do not understand that that the leader's primary job is to motivate people, is to give the people a reason for doing what you want them to do, and 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 the reason often comes with. Um, creating an interesting amount of work for people to do. Some people want to do interesting things. Uh, my developers all want to work on interesting stuff. That's what they want to work on. But I don't have all 100% interesting stuff. So we've got to have a, a relationship where, uh, you know, they get to do the interesting stuff, but they also need to do the stuff that keeps the keeps the business running. And so, again, I think it's all about it's all about the people. It's all about ensuring that they have the tools that they need to do the job. One of my favorite things to say is you got everything you need to get your job done. And if they say no, or they say, well, it would be great if I did that. I see that as an opportunity to, to help the business and to, to help them and help the business at the same time. And so I, th I think uh, the biggest mistake I see is, is not uh, not focusing on the, on the people, not creating an environment that's a positive environment. And uh, the result is that you end up having churn with people and uh, your ability to achieve your own goals and objectives gets uh, gets uh, hindered by doing that. So that, that would be my biggest point of advice. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Rice. This was helpful. Time flew by kind of fast. Really appreciate your insights and sharing your knowledge and experience. Um, how can people um, get in contact with you if they want to learn more about you and, and about Agilence? Well, the best you can go to our website to learn about the company, and it's uh, agilenceinc.com. And my email address, I'd love to hear from some of your listeners. It's rhawkins, that's H-A-W-K-I-N-S, at agilenceinc.com, A-G-I-L-E-N-C-E-I-N-C.com. Hey, man, it's been a great uh, time here talking with you. As you can tell, I love to talk <laughs> and uh, I've enjoyed the opportunity to spend time with you and your listeners. Yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you again. And uh, we're going to have Russ's information also in the show notes so people can uh, can contact you. But that's, that is pretty generous of you for you to provide your personal email information because I know, you know you're pretty busy. So uh, thanks for sharing that uh, with the audience. Uh, it's my pleasure. I'd love to hear from them. I, 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 I love to talk to business people. Wonderful. Well, thank you. And uh, for everybody, till next week, bye for now.